Good morning, everyone. Bang, bang. Investing is a game of risk and reward. If you take intelligent risks, you can profit handsomely. If you take the wrong risk, the market can humble you quickly. This framework is important to remember as we enter a world where interest rates are hovering around 0% and the Federal Reserve has made it clear they won't be increasing them anytime soon. This low interest rate environment creates a big problem for public pension funds. They are already heavily underfunded. According to the Pew Charitable Trust data from fiscal year 2017, the most recent data available, there is a combined $1.8 or $1.28 trillion in state pension plan funding deficits. While massive, this was actually a decrease from fiscal year 2016's $1.35 trillion gap. I've included a chart that has each state's underfunding status on their public pension plans. So how exactly did we get to this point and why are public pension funds so underfunded? The issues are quite complex, so I'm just going to focus on only one of the major issues, investment returns. The National Association of Retirement Administrators describes the importance of investment returns best. As of December 31st, 2019, state and local government retirement systems held assets of approximately $4.8 trillion. These assets are held in trust and invested to pre-fund the cost of pension benefits. The investment return on these assets matters, as investment earnings account for a majority of public pension financing. A shortfall in long-term expected investment earnings must be made up by higher contributions or reduced benefits. Each public pension fund has an actuary assumed rate of return. This is the percentage return that the plan is targeting on an annual basis in order to have enough capital in the future to fulfill the plan's obligations. The assumed rate of return is calculated using a complex formula, and it is different for each pension fund but the average assumed rate of return for public funds is 7.3% according to a survey by the NS NASRA. This means that the chief investment officer and their staff need to attain a 7.3% annual return to keep the average pension fund on track to have the adequate amount of capital in the future. The last few years have been incredibly kind to these public pension funds. The average investment return for 2018 was 13.4% for all plans reporting that year, which was much higher than the 7.8% average return that occurred in 2017. Most of these increases in returns have been driven by higher interest rates and the longest bull market in stocks in history. The world has changed now, though. COVID-19 ushered in a lot of uncertainty while also forcing the Federal Reserve and other organizations to take drastic measures in an attempt to deal with the ensuing economic shock. One of those drastic measures was to drop interest rates to 0% through two emergency rate cuts. This floods the market with cheap capital, but it also significantly decreases the return expectations of fixed income portfolios. Who is one of the largest holders of fixed income portfolios? Public pension plans. So now we have a low yield environment that will create a drag on performance for a group of investors that are already under immense pressure to beat their 7.3% targets. In order to highlight what is happening, I'm going to use the California Public Employee Retirement System, CalPERS, as an example. CalPERS is the largest public pension plan in the United States. They have almost $350 billion in assets under management, are responsible for the benefits of nearly 2 million beneficiaries, and they employ almost 3,000 employees. This is not a simple operation by any stretch of the imagination, and it is incredibly important that they come as close to possible to hitting their actuary rate of return every year. CalPERS currently has 28% of their portfolio allocated to fixed income. This includes 15% in long spread fixed income, 10% in long treasury bonds, and 3% in high yield fixed income. The low yield environment means that more than one fourth of their portfolio is likely to come under significant pressure now. So what are they going to do? 
Rather than reallocate their funds to other asset classes or strategies, CalPERS is considering a move that would add incredible amounts of leverage to their fund and allow them to allocate this new money to illiquid assets. The Financial Times summarized it by saying, CalPERS is to move deeper into private equity and private debt by adopting a bold leverage strategy that the $395 billion Californian public sector pension fund believes will help it achieve its ambitious 7% rate of return. In a presentation to the CalPERS board, Ben Meng, chief investment officer, said the giant fund would take on additional leverage via borrowings and financial instruments such as equity futures. Leverage could be as high as 20% of the value of the fund or nearly $80 billion based on current assets. The aim is to juice up returns to help the scheme, the largest public pension in the U.S., achieve its growth target. The move comes after a 2019 investment strategy review that found CalPERS needed greater focus on the excess returns potentially available from illiquid assets compared with public equity and debt. Under CalPERS' previous asset allocation strategy, it was estimated to have a less than 40% probability of achieving its 7% return target over the next decade. Why are they doing this? Well, they feel like they really have no choice. The largest pension fund in the United States returned only 6.7% in 2019, and they currently sit around 70% funded, which means they are behind where they need to be by 30%. Desperate times leads to desperate measures, as the saying goes. But CalPERS and the other public pension funds don't need to seek immense leverage to drive their targeted returns. The solution can be much simpler than that. Each of these pension funds should add a 1% to 5% allocation to Bitcoin. Yes, I'm dead serious. Bitwise recently published a white paper that explores the case for including a small but meaningful allocation of crypto assets in a diversified portfolio. Specifically, it examines the impact that a 1, 5, and 10% allocation to Bitcoin would have had on a traditional 60% equity, 40% bond portfolio since January 1, 2014. The study found that allocating to Bitcoin would have significantly increased the portfolio's risk-adjusted returns, assuming the portfolio was systematically rebalanced over time. This result was consistent across all three allocations using multiple rebalancing strategies. Sounds pretty good, right? The white paper goes on to state that the potential impact was large. With a 5% allocation for existence, the sharp ratio of the portfolio nearly doubled, total returns more than doubled, and the maximum drawdown was substantially reduced. The paper finds that Bitcoin's unique combination of high potential returns and low correlations with traditional asset classes make it uniquely attractive as a diversifying asset for long-term investors. This is just math. There's no emotion in an analysis like this. I've actually been saying this since December 2018 when I wrote something that said every bit, uh, pension fund should buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin is up almost 3x since then. The qualitative argument is thrown out the window. It is as clear as possible. Adding an allocation to Bitcoin would increase the risk-adjusted return for a public pension fund. The best part? CalPERS would not have to be the first to add the allocation. As many of you know, two of the public pension plans in Fairfax County, Virginia already invested in our funds at Morgan Creek. So why is this idea so controversial or at least not getting more airtime in the public pension world? In my opinion, it is way too simple. There's an incredible amount of intellectual Olympics that goes on in the institutional investment world. Everyone thinks they are a genius. The goal is to seek alpha and find those who can create outperformance. But as you would expect, humans generally stink at beating markets. Meb Faber, someone I find incredibly intelligent who has come on the podcast previously, has a great post about public pension investing. In the piece, he states, CalPERS would have been just as well off just firing their whole staff and buying some ETFs. It certainly would make the record keeping a lot easier. And they would save a whopping $500 million a year on operating costs for their 2,700 employees and another few hundred million on external fund fees. And you get to avoid all that nasty press on how much you are paying those evil hedge fund managers and their performance fees. 
disclosure, he's writing it as someone with two private funds. I've included a chart that shows that the performance of the ETFs pretty much matches up to the performance of CalPERS over a long period. So this has always fascinated me. There's an entire circus of suits and ties running around seeking a return profile that could be captured by simply buying ETFs over a significant period of time. Now, I will be the first to say that investments in innovation, particularly venture capital, are probably the area of outperformance that still makes sense. The best performing institutions have large allocations to venture capital as an example, GMO, Dietrich Foundation, etc. Both of them are over 50%. This requires courage, though. It isn't considered safe in the halls of large conservative institutions, but ultimately it is the main driver of returns. As my partners and I continue to say, returns come from investments in innovation. Even Jeremy Grantham, who recently was on the Invest Like the Best podcast, suggested that young people seek job opportunities in venture capital. After the interview, host Patrick O'Shaughnessy wrote, the big idea that stuck with me was a surprising one coming from an investor known as a contrarian value investor focused on public markets. Namely, that young people interested in investing should go into venture capital instead of public markets or private equity. He says, private equity and regular investing is shuffling shares between one player and another. It doesn't change anything. I sell a share, you buy it, who cares? His personal portfolio is 70% venture capital, which I did not expect at all. And you want to know where the greatest innovation is occurring at the moment? Bitcoin. There's a group of individuals who have built a $150 plus billion asset with the goal of assuming the position of the next global reserve currency. If that happens, it will be the best performing asset for the next 20 plus years. But even if that doesn't happen, things will be okay. About eight months ago, we ran the numbers for a 1% allocation in Bitcoin on a 60-40 global portfolio. If you had invested five years prior and just held it, your portfolio return would have gone from 7.2% to 9.2%. This was a 200 basis point upside. If you had made the Bitcoin investment and had gone to $0 in value, you lost all your money, your return would have dropped from 7.2 to 7%. This 200 basis point upside and 20 basis point downside type investment is the exact asymmetry that public pension funds need today. They don't need to panic and do ridiculous things like adding $80 billion of leverage to their portfolios. At some point, we have to ask the question, when does it become a violation of fiduciary duty if investment managers are levering up with enormous amounts of debt, yet they don't have exposure to the best performing asset in the last 10 years? That's it for today, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.